Good morning, everybody. I am Nathan Detweiler. I'm the senior pastor here. I am very pleased with all the prayer that's happening on a Sunday morning at New Life. Prayer is the primary work of the people of God. That's what we believe. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So some people, sometimes when you go to church, you look for an emotional feeling or whatever about the service. I look for prayer. Prayer is happening. We're praying for each other. We're lifting up people and groups in Saratoga. Uh, we're lifting up people in the church for healing. That's a great thing. We're talking about prayer today. So believe it or not, today we are in our final, series, final uh, sermon in our series in Ephesians. And we've been looking at Ephesians through the lens of what it tells us about being a healthy body of Christ with Jesus himself as the head of the church. And it's been a very good series for me. I've gotten a lot of vision from God for what his dream is for the church. I hope it's been beneficial for you. Uh, one of the things we've uh, spun off uh, with this series, I preached on Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, a while back, and it says, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. That was something that really struck me. Uh, that we need to be a people who are in the truth, because there's a lot of deceit, there's a lot of untruth out there, and there's lots of people who are spouting out things that are contrary to what God says. And so we need to be people in the truth, and I was very convicted of that we needed to uh, go, go into the truth deeper with God. And so that, from that point, birthed this idea of going through the Bible with the Essential 100. And I really felt that was God guiding us. And a lot of you who are going through the Essential 100 um, are, are coming back to me and saying, you know, we're learning a lot. We're seeing things we never saw before. It's not too late to jump in. Uh, it, it's a way for us to become schooled in what God says so that we're not tossed back and forth by waves and every kind of trick that's out there. Uh, God's word has something to say to everything. Coming out of the uh, Essential 100, the thing that's really struck me, and if you read my emails, you'll, you'll know this, is, is just God's otherness. Uh, God is different from us. We are made in the image of God. God is other from us. There are things about God that are true that are not true of us. When we think about God, we tend to think of him as us times, you know, 100 or something. But that's not exactly true. God is other from us. He is, it's not even comparable. There are things about God that are beyond our human understanding. And as we're reading through the Essential 100, that's striking me, God's otherness, God's holiness. And, uh, and so the next series we're going through this summer is going to be a series about God, about his otherness, about his differentness, the things that are only true of God. Let me give you a couple examples of things that, that are true of God uh, but are not uh, true of us. When I was in seminary, uh, I was learning Hebrew, and there are actually Hebrew words that are only true of God. They can't, they're never said of people. They're things that only God can do. One of them is the word salach. That means to forgive. 
to for, it's almost like forget, forgetfulness that God, when he forgives us, it's as if it's forgotten completely. He, uh, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And as far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our transgressions from us. That's something that only God can do. So we're going to be going through a sermon series on God's attributes, things that are true of God that are other. They're, they can only be described as God. They're different. So it'll be called, uh, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. And we're doing that in preparation for a, a future series when we go through the book of Acts, which is also known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at God, and then we're going to be going into Acts, and we're just trying to get to know God better. Because when you know God better, you walk better. <laughs> you walk differently. Uh, A.W. Tozer, I was, re- I was reminded recently, said this in the book, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. And if you entertain high thoughts of God, you will, it will transform your life. If you entertain low thoughts of God, it will transform your life, but for the worse. So we're going to go through, through that. But today we are in part two of our spiritual warfare section. And Pastor Jack Murphy is coming on June 19th to speak on for spiritual warfare further. But we are in uh, Ephesians 6. So if you have a Bible... Open it up to Ephesians 6. We're going to be starting in verse 18. And this is about prayer. There is a section of scripture in James, which was written by, uh, you know, it's like Captain Obvious, okay? It says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And it's talking about prayer. So in response to the statement from James, you have not because you ask not, you know, you have to a- ask the question, why don't we ask God for things in prayer? You know, why do we often not ask God for the things that we need in prayer? If, if, if it's true that we have not because we ask not. And I think the answer is found in Hebrews eleven six. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Fundamentally, there's some people out there that don't believe God exists, and so they don't pray. In their heart of hearts, they don't believe, and so they don't pray. That's true of some people. But for most of us here, I think it's the the second part. We don't believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. And so we don't pray. But it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. You must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. What does it mean to earnestly seek after God? Well, it means to be single-heartedly seeking after God. If you are asking God for something, but you're not really wholehearted about it, why would you expect him to answer you? Right? If you are, if you realize you have a problem, for instance, with gossip, we'll just use something like that. Bible says not to gossip. We got it. We're convicted about it. We ask God in prayer, help me not to gossip. (laughs) But in the back of our mind, we're thinking, I can't wait to hang out with this person later who I love to talk about other people with. It's something that I enjoy. 
And so we're kind of half-hearted. We're asking God to help us with something, but we're not making a change. And we're actually looking forward to maybe doing the very thing we're asking him to help us not to do. We're half-hearted. So why would we expect God to help us overcoming our gossip problem? Another example could be someone realizing they have a problem with lust. And they, they, uh, they say, God, help me with my struggle with, with lust. But even as they're praying, moments later perhaps, they're entertaining thoughts of how they're going to move forward with that temptation. Why would they expect God to help them if they're not even wholehearted? Well, they're not earnestly seeking after him. Does that make sense? You really have to be wholehearted. And, and, but when we are, when we believe that God exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, you know, we see amazing things come from God. Uh, God loves to honor the prayers of people who seek after him earnestly and wholeheartedly. And God will supply every need according to our riches in Christ Jesus. God, uh, when we earnestly seek after him, he, re- he rewards us. You have to believe that. But I think one of the reasons we don't pray is because we don't believe that. And that's a problem. Today's passage we're going to read together. Ephesians 6, and this, this is uh, concerning the big guns of spiritual warfare, which is prayer. So you could have all this talk of spiritual armor that we talked about last week, but without prayer, you got nothing. You're exposed, you're weak. Um, prayer is the, the biggest weapon of spiritual warfare, yet so often we neglect it completely. So after it says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, then it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that you, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. So the first thing that this passage says is, we are to pray in verse 18 on all occasions. Let me ask you the question, when do you usually pray to God? What occasions do you pray to God in? When you need something, right. Which is fine. It's called supplication, right? When we need something. But what other times do you pray to God? Are there other times that you pray to God? This is, this is kind of a, a very uh, pivotal question. The Bible says in James five thirteen to 15, it says, is there anyone of you in trouble? He should pray. That sounds pretty straightforward. But then it says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. What the Bible is teaching us is that we are to pray in every circumstance on all occasions, whether we are sick whether we are happy, whether we uh, need something, we are to pray to God on all occasions. So what occasions are exempt from this need to pray to God? None. The full armor of Jesus Christ, you know, if you only put, the picture is, 
You know, Paul being chained to a Roman soldier, he's looking at this Roman soldier in prison where he's writing this letter. He's seeing the soldier in the armor. And he's, he's thinking about how the, the armor is protecting the soldier from danger. If the armor is gone, or a piece of it's gone, that soldier is exposed. And, uh, and, and so Paul pictures us being in the strength and in the might of Christ as being inside this kind of armor. So when we don't pray on all occasions, when we only pray when we need something, what are we doing? We're leaving ourselves exposed in many ways. We're leaving ourselves open to spiritual attack because we don't pray when we're happy. We don't pray when we're, when we're sad necessarily. We only pray when we need something. We're leaving most of our lives away from God. And God wants to be a part of all of our lives. God is a relational God. He wants to fellowship with us in every season of our lives. And when we only include him when we need something, only, that's a very shallow relationship. But God wants to have a fully orbed relationship with us. When we're happy, he wants us to pray. When we're sad and depressed, he wants us to pray. When we're in trouble, he wants us to pray. When we're sick, he wants us to pray. When we're tempted, he wants us to pray. When we're on vacation, he wants us to pray. When we are at work, he wants us to pray. When we are with our children at home, he wants us to pray. He wants us to pray all the time because he wants a relationship with us. When we are struggling in our marriage, he wants us to pray. When we are enjoying our marriage, he wants us to pray. The list goes on and on. It's not just when we're in church, he wants us to pray. It's not just before we inhale our meal that he wants us to pray. He wants us to pray on all occasions. And this is such a simple thing. This is like a Captain Obvious thing. James says, you, you have not because you ask not. That seems like it should be obvious. This is saying... You should pray on all occasions. Uh, this is something that God wants for us. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but I challenge you to be thinking about widening the circumference of your relationship with Christ. Because if you're only talking to him when you need something, it's a shallow relationship. Jesus is your lawyer. That's what he is. I got a speeding ticket. got to call Jesus. Jesus is your lawyer. Um... When you're in trouble, you give Jesus a call. That's a sad relation. I mean, who here is really clo- besides Mary Jo, who's married to a lawyer, who here feels really close to their lawyer, like intimately? Back there, okay. There are exceptions. Your senior pastor is a lawyer. Well, that's wonderful. Paul was a kind of a lawyer in many ways. <laughs> um, but seriously, most people don't feel super close to and intimately close to their lawyer. They're not walking day-to-day with their lawyer, you know. The Lord is my lawyer, I shall not want. (laughs) He writes a letter to the judge when I get a speeding ticket. You know, this is not the kind of relationship God wants with his children. He wants us to pray on all occasions. And again, everything is an opportunity for prayer. Everything that you do. Your commute to work, like I said, while you're playing with your kids on the floor or your grandkids, you can be praying for them. Uh, when you're thinking about people in, that can't be here because they're in the ICU, like Kathy Carica, who is a saint, by the way, loves Christ, and her, her biggest concern is that Jesus would be glorified in her affliction. That's what she keeps saying. She's not here. Pray for her. Pray, pray on all occasions. All right, so that's verse 18. It says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. All kinds. 
of prayers and requests. So we, we, uh, we started going through a multi-level prayer with our kids at nighttime. What do we base it on, Jackie? Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest. <laughs> it's called Pinterest prayers. What's the first one we do? We praise the Lord, okay. Confessing your sin. Pray for yourself. Pray for someone else. And thanking the Lord. So we're, we built in these five areas of prayer into our kids because the Bible says we should do all kinds of prayers. We shouldn't just do the lawyer prayer to God. Uh, some people have talked about this acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, the worship. Confession of sin. Uh, thanksgiving, giving thanks to God, and supplication, which is asking God for stuff. Okay? You have not because you asked not. Asking God for stuff. Uh, thanksgiving. So, okay. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Thanksgiving is maybe one of the most powerful tool, kinds of prayer you can pray. It really is. Thanksgiving is like an elevator for your soul. It's unbelievable how quick we stop giving thanks to God for things. When we were, I've thought about this recently, because when we were in this small apartment, then we, then we lost the apartment, they had to sell, we moved into our in-law's basement, we finally got into our house with a backyard, we never had a backyard before, in April, and every day I was so thankful I look out, out, the, out the window and see, this is our own land. I'd be doing the dishes. Like, oh, it's great. We have a dishwasher. I love cleaning the kitchen. I love scrubbing the toilet. This is my, this is our house. I'm so thankful. And I, I just was overflowing with thankfulness because we had been living in our in-law's basement, which was great in its own way, but it was a basement with, uh, with three small kids. I was noticing my soul maybe a week and a half ago I was doing the dishes, and I was thinking to myself, how quickly my Thanksgiving has worn off. It was so novel when we first moved into this house. And now I'm taking it for granted already. This is what we do. It's our, it's our gentle slide down to complaining. We're slowly sliding from Thanksgiving to complaining. But Thanksgiving is like an elevator for your soul. It takes you out of the muck and the mire and the discouragement and lifts you up to appreciate all that God has given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father. And so I've been very mindful lately of my uh, propensity to take things for granted and, and trying to offer this type of prayer, this kind of Thanksgiving prayer. And I've found that it's been very, very beneficial to me. So all kinds of prayers, adoration, worship. We did a lot of that this morning. Confession, confess your sin, thanksgiving. And then supplication. This, is, this word uh, for supplication is the word that is used in the NIV as requests. requests. So it says, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. A request is a different kind of prayer than just a general kind of prayer. It's also called supplication. Uh, it's called um, petition. And I, I learned something really interesting this week as I was studying the scriptures and looking at the original language. This word for requests in our text today, petition, is used 17 times in the NIV Bible. Only 17 times. 
How many words are in the Bible? Anyone know? A lot. This word for requests is only used 17 times. And I, when I discovered this, I thought, this is great. I've never heard this before. This is interesting. What does it mean? Well, I looked at all the other instances of when that word is used in the Bible. It's used with kings. A lot, a lot of times in the book of Esther it's used. It's used when someone is making a petition to an pow- all-powerful, essentially, person. So it's, it's used to petition a king. Uh, you know, Esther saved her people. She peti- petitioned the king on behalf of her people. Um, it's, it's used uh, sometimes by the prophets when they're petitioning Yahweh, like in Jeremiah. It's, the idea is that we're praying all these different kinds of prayers, and we're making petitions also to an all-powerful God to a God that can change things, (laughs) to a God that can do something about it. If you ask, uh, you know, the jester in the the king's court, hey, you know, can you get a sidewalk on Old Gick Road so people don't get hit by cars and stuff? You know, I'm I'm saying you could ask someone on the street, you know, "Could could you have a sidewalk put in on Old Gick Road? It's really dangerous for all the folks walking along there. That person can't do anything about it. But when you petition someone with actual authority who plans for the city, the mayor, the mayor's office, whoever it might be, to get something done, it's much more likely that it's going to happen. The idea is that when we make a petition to God, he can actually do something because he's all-powerful. And it's something that is completely unique to God. Now, it feels at times that people like a president in a country are sovereign, and they talk about us being a sovereign nation, the president being in charge, but... Even the president can only do so much. The president president isn't in control of all things, but God holds everything together by his powerful word. You know, God is really all-powerful. And so we are making supplication to God who can do something about it. So when we ask him for things, no, he's able to and walk with him. The next part of our uh, passage, it says, with this in mind... Be alert, and always keep on praying. So, always keep on praying. The the thought that comes to mind is to pray, have a posture of prayer continually in your life. Get into the habit that when you wake up in the middle of the night, if something wakes you up, just pray. Night is a great time to pray. Night, you know, you lose sleep over a lot of things in your life. You worry about your kids. Uh, your kids keep you up at night, for some of you. We're kept up late worrying about someone who's traveling or someone we love who's sick. We lose sleep all the time. How about losing sleep for prayer? That's pretty cool. They used to call it a watch, the old, the old, uh, the old guard, I guess, of Christianity. They'd stay up and pray during the, into the night, um, always praying during the day, during the night, when they sat down, when they rose up. It's, it's kind of on all occasions and all the time. That's how we could talk about it. On all occasions and all the time. Always keep on praying. Those who pray continually know the heart of the Father and hear from God. The people I know that are so deep that I, I, I wonder at them, there's, no, there's nothing too special about them that anyone would see but they spend a lot of time praying and they spend a lot of time with the Lord and they spend a lot of time 
Reading the scripture to know God, not reading the scripture so they can know information. There's a depth to their soul that's uncommon. There's a depth to their soul that's uncommon. There's no way to have an intimacy with God like that without being the kind of person that prays on every occasion, all the time, and seeks the Lord. There's an uncommon depth, and it's very hard to put your finger on. Because you say, you ever meet people and you just go through a list, like, what is different about this person? Then you find out, oh, they pray for three hours every morning while I'm sleeping. That's unusual and inspirational. And God shares with people who care to do that. That's uh, earnestness. That's single-heartedness. Praying on all occasions. And then the last part of that. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Or just some of the saints. You know, pray for some of them. No, it says all the saints, right? So if you know some particular Christians, maybe they're in your church, pray for them by name. Be specific. One thing that I've enjoyed doing over the years is taking the church directory as a tool to pray for people, just going through and praying for people. And if I know things that are going on with those people, I, I pray specifically, as specifically as I can. But this is also saying to not only pray for Christians that we know, but for the saints in Saratoga Springs. Pray for the Christians in Saratoga Springs. And not just the Christians in Saratoga Springs. How about the Christians' students who are at Skidmore? Or the Christians who work at SPAC? Keep in mind all these different kinds of people. What about the Christians in the Northeast District of our denomination? What about the Christians in New York? And New England? And United States? And Bosnia? And Cambodia? Pray for all the saints. Keep them in mind. And then Paul gives them some direct application. Always keep on praying for all the saints, and then he goes, and pray for me. This is great application. Uh, Paul did not actually believe that his ministry could be powerful apart from the prayers that he begged people to pray for him. And Paul is always asking people to pray for him. He says, pray for me, that when I open my mouth, words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, Pray that I should declare it fearlessly as I should. And then he talks about sending his servant so that uh, the servant can tell the people in the church of Ephesus what's going on with Paul, presumably so they can pray more specifically. So Paul is saying, pray for all the saints. Pray for me. I'm sending a guy to tell you all my prayer requests. Go. And so I would ask you to pray for me and my family, for the elders and their families for the ministry heads, for Jen Veach, uh, for the provision of a worship director and a youth leader, to pray for us, to pray for our small group leaders and the worship team, to lift up every area of the church in prayer. We need it. We, can't, we cannot be effective apart from the prayers of God's people, asking that we do it well from God. So that would be, that would be my, my ask for you guys. We, we need to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, petitioning the one that can do something about it, all the time, day or night, for everyone. That's a comprehensive list, and that's an easy assignment, right? The best you can do is a little better than you did before, right? So I I would encourage you to think about prayer differently, to think about the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you, not as a lawyer getting you off of a speeding ticket, but as an intimate shepherd who wants to lead you beside still waters, speak deep into your soul. 
Uh, that's what we're looking at with prayer. And as we close out this series in Ephesians, uh, we are having the table of the Lord together. The table of the Lord is symbolic of how Jesus has opened the way for us to draw near to God. Uh, A new and better way has been opened through Jesus Christ for us to connect directly to God. Talk about something we don't give thanks enough for, that God sent Jesus so that we could have an unbroken relationship with him through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The spilled blood of Jesus covers our sins so that we can approach God with confidence and with boldness. And the broken body of Jesus does the same. God has drawn us near through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. So I'm going to ask the elders or the uh, ushers to come and hand out the elements, and I am going to sing over you the same song that I sung at the beginning of this series, which is a prayer for you, that you would be lifted up in Christ. So if the ushers could come forward. This is my prayer for all of you, and it has been my prayer this entire time. This reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks. You remembering you in my prayer, and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Him better, that you might know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Him better, that you might know Him better, that power. Is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him, raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come, the age to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed it to be everything for the church, which is His glory, glory of Him, glory of Him. Fills everything in every way. God placed all things under His feet, made Him to be ever everything for the church, which is His glory. Glory of Him, glory of Him. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Him better, that you might know Him better, that you might know Heavenly Father, I pray that you, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we might know you better. I pray that we would become for you a people of prayer who walk with a shepherd beside still waters. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus and his shed blood which enable us to draw near to you with hearts full of faith. Lord, may we take advantage of this great thing you've done for us. Please take the body and the juice, the blood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did for us and that this gospel of Jesus Christ being saved by grace through faith is spoken today just as clearly as it was uh, when Jesus died on the cross um, into our lives, cleansing us of our sin, taking away all obstacles so that we can draw near to you with hearts full of faith. I pray that you would give us an upgrade in our prayer life this week, or that we would become people who know you more intimately, who know your heart, who don't just know about you, but know you, Lord. That's the cry of my heart, to know you. May that be true for every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Go and be the church.